Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Ryan King, who is the VP of Corporate Development at Calibre Mining. This is the ex-New Market team who have come together to acquire the El Limon and La Libertad projects from B2 Gold, having worked in the region for 10 years previously. We talk about the business plan for growth. They're generating and throwing off a lot of cash, having just delivered their first quarter of full gold production, improving grades and reducing their ASIC. We discuss what the plans are and what this cash optionality is going to do for them. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing, sir? I'm excellent, Matt. Thanks Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, so where are you speaking from? North Vancouver. Very nice. On lockdown. Lockdown with the family. Lockdown nice. with the family, three-year-old and seven-year-old. And luckily, we've had some nice weather in Vancouver. Oh, sweet. It's been sunny, but today's the first cloudy, rainy day, so everyone's locked inside again. No, well, at least the kids get to see you. Right? So that's, that's pretty cool. Well, hey, well, th- thanks for joining us. New, new story for us. We're, we're excited. Um, you've done a lot of good things very, very quickly. And we're intrigued mm-hmm. to sort of understand a little bit more about the story behind that. But first, when you kick off, give us that one minute overview and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. So, so um, Caliber Mining listed on the TSX. We were an exploration only company in Central America for over 10 years. We have uh, transitioned from exploration only to uh, to producing from two processing facilities, multiple ore sources in Nicaragua, and as well layered in exploration and development. So uh, we're a gold producer. At the beginning of 2020, we announced that our guidance for the year was 140 to 150,000 ounces of production and around an all-in sustaining cost of $1,000. So uh, exciting to make that transition that we did last year. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Now I want to talk about why you made that trans transition, okay? Because you've got the ex new uh, new market team there, um, spending ten years on exploration Nicaragua. You suddenly decided let's let's actually let's kind of skip this process and we we're going to get into production, right? So that's a bit that's a seismic shift in mentality. Having spent ten mm-hmm. years at it, was the exploration side too tough? Was it not giving you the results? I mean, obviously, share price tells us a bit of a story, but what's the reality yeah. behind the decision to change? So the reality was, and you just hit on this, is is the is the new market gold team. So if I take us back to 2015, it was Doug Forrester, Blaine Johnson, <clears throat> Ray Threlkeld, Doug Hurst, the founders of New Market that saw good geological upside on those assets um, and and we're very successful we did the deal i think new market was trading around uh, it was originally a shell uh, but when we started the deal it was about about 75 cents a share <clears throat> ended up selling the company for or merging the company for about five dollars a share so we acquired production but uh, grew the production and grew the resource base through the exploration potential we saw initially and were successful at that um, similarly, the way uh, Caliber came about was the was the identification of these assets. Doug Forrester, Blaine Johnson, always reviewing, looking for opportunities. Because of the success of New Market, they recognize that if we find the right suite of assets with good geological upside and potential, with uh, the combination of the right timing and the right deal, we can make people a lot of money, uh, and ourselves included. And we invest in all of our deals. So really, the shift was. The success, because of the success of New Market, right? 
We had recognized another opportunity. We had looked at hundreds of opportunities for Caliber to buy production, but then have the opportunity to either grow the production or grow the resource base geologically. And we landed on doing a deal with B2 Gold. So that was really the shift is that the historical success we had with Newmarket, we were trying to replicate that. Okay, but you, and you went out to market, raised 100 million bucks, which is not easy because mm-hmm. you did this in the middle of last year. So I, I get that the new market team's reputation kind of went before them, but you must have known obviously what you were walking into. And I guess that then begs the question, why would B2 give that up? Well, I'll tell you, we started discussing this, uh, in Blaine and Doug started to, to discuss this idea with, with the B2 team, executive senior team, two years ago. So, uh, you know, B2 has been working towards a million ounce a year gold producer. It was a suite of, of Nicaraguan assets that started B2 Gold back in 2009 and 2010. You know, so uh, these were very near and dear to them. You know, they spawned B2 Gold. And, uh, you know, we're a very meaningful part of their production for many years. But 2013-14, B2 shifted. You know, instead of doing lots of exploration, which they were still doing, they shifted because they recognized an opportunity to acquire uh, advanced development stage construction-ready projects and other production opportunities when the market was turning down for gold. So they made the right move. And then these suite of assets uh, uh, in Nicaragua became non-core to them. It became, you know, from analyst models, less than 5% of their net asset value, uh, less than 8% of their production. So, uh, you know, it's a, their, their shift and focus went from Nicaragua to West Africa, Focola, uh, Masbati, some of their bigger operations, and that was the opportunity. You know, I think, I think it was not so much about the divestiture of these assets, but it was a win-win partnership because we could focus on these assets 120 percent, like B2 Gold did back in 2009 and 10, which allowed B2 then to have a nice, meaningful equity position, which they have over 30 percent of caliber, and recognize the lift, the opportunity that if these guys are successful, okay, we get a bit of cash but we get a big equity chunk as well. And if they are successful, which we think they will be, uh, you know, that, that, that creates the win-win opportunity for both us and B2Gold. Okay, so you, the new market team and yourself, you're, you're, you're founders in this. Can you tell me a little bit about the structure that you created there to you know, you know, bring, the, bring these two assets in? So El Limon and uh, Libertad are relatively low-grade low projects which you're developing into higher-grade projects. Like, We'll talk about that in a second, but I'm sure what structure did you build day one for this project? Yeah, so so as mentioned, Caliber had been an Explore Co. in Nicaragua for 10 years. Yeah. You know, and over so, 10 years, mm. uh, and over 10 years, your, your issued and outstanding shares grows quite significantly and, and quickly, right? Uh, we had had a few years of success and then, it, and then, you know, went into the doldrums for a while ended up having almost 400 million shares uh, issued outstanding, right? So it was 2018 where the team said, okay, let's pivot. Let's now look to, to try and replicate what we did with new market and go out and buy production, but we need to fix the capital structure to do that. We did a 10 for one consolidation, right? We did 10 for one consolidation. We then uh, advanced uh, in our work to identify an opportunity to acquire production. And so after the 10 for one rollback, we did a very small raise. We did we raised about $5 million at 45 cents. Um, 
and then and then and largely that was the team the the the, the board of directors the founders doug blaine doug hurst ray uh, uh russell ball uh, myself put a lot of our own money into that round then uh, we brought in some external investors uh sprott came in uh, uh sprott capital came in for a small a bit of that uh rick rules group and uh, so that gave us the small amount of money to go out and start looking, to start identifying and doing due diligence to make the shift, right? And then, uh, and then almost a year later was, was when we identified the opportunity or got to the point where we could announce the opportunity to buy the production and then do a, a very significant equity raise, as you just mentioned, $100 million at $0.60. Cents. We wanted to price it right. We wanted to price it right because at that time, you may recall, pot was hot, gold was not. Uh, right type of thing. So, so it was it was difficult uh, to say the least in the middle of summer to go out and raise a hundred million dollars from and you just mentioned this to from from assets that came from B two Gold, who are known as uh, some of the best operators and some of the best explorers in the business. It came from B two Gold, so there was a lot of trepidation. There was a lot of uncertainty about you know these assets have historically underperformed. Now Caliber, the ex New Market team, is buying them. So there was a lot of questions. So the structure is it was all equity. We didn't do any debt other than a little purchase price agreement that we agreed to with B2 Gold. Um, so yeah, we, we have about a 320 million shares out now after the raise. We raised a total of 105 Canadian. We paid 40 million US in cash to B2 Gold. Uh, we paid 40 million US in shares to B2 Gold. Uh, we had a convertible debenture with B2, which we actually have now converted to common shares. So it, it brought them from 30% to 34%. And then we've got one remaining payment to B2 Gold of $15 million, which is due in April of 2021. So that, that that's kind of the structure. Uh, other than that, we have no debt. Well, you yeah, sorry, did you mention you, you owe about another $15 million, but that's been deferred till next year. Okay. You did say that. April 2021, that's you right. You did say that. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, that's, that's fascinating to me that you can segue, you can take a company which has sort of been paddling around the exploration pool for 10 years and then suddenly go, boom, now's the time, guys. And the market's reacted extremely positively to, to that mm -hmm. news. Um, you know, if I look at your shares, you know, again, we weren't doing too much. In, in 2019 and towards the latter half when gold started to go. And you were, guess, I guess, getting into nearer term production. So people started paying attention to you. Market dipped this year yeah. and you've had a quick recovery back to getting back to sort of where you were. Is that, that, I think that sort of tells, tells a tale that the market is quite interested in your story and they buy what you're trying to create. Is that, would that be fair to say? You know, I, I, I think, I think um, you know, for us, it's, it's kind of a prove me story. You know, we bought production from uh, and partnered with B2 Gold. So, uh, you know, these assets historically, La Libertad and Elamon, the two producing assets with, with mines and mills on them that we bought and, and acquired and partnered with B2 Gold on, have underperformed. You know, they, they had they had underperformed. They had not, you know, there was revisions of guidance down sometimes for production. There were cost guidance up, um, you know, and so and so the market was kind of like, yeah, we know these assets. Eh, you know, we, we you know, they, they haven't met our expectations for a couple of years. And so to your point, 
yeah, I mean, we did this deal. We acquired the production. You know, there was some history and hair on them. And, uh, and so it's part of our job as the new team with 120% focus to come in and try and, and, try and um, you know, let's say optimize some of the opportunities, uh, maybe find some more ore. But with that 120% focus, we can maybe shift the narrative a little bit from what the external market thinks of these now with, hey, the New Market Gold team that sold their last company for a billion dollars. Well, that's where it's getting at, because I was, you know, I'm looking, if I'm looking at the share price, the market has reacted, but the reality is there was a lot of hair on this. And you have been shaving away at the edges in terms of get, driving the ASIC down, driving production up. You've had a, you know, your first major quarter, and I guess yeah. we're looking forward to quite a good year, and then obviously market reset and COVID comes along. Um, but, right. it, but we'll set that aside. I'm interested in the how, you clearly understand the need to talk to the market and tell them what you're doing. Because uh-huh. like I say, with, with, with the hair on it and with the legacy issue, not legacy issue, the, the, the legacy of the company's performance, um, I could understand why the market wouldn't react to it. But it yeah. did. You've managed to do that, and I think I always think that companies that underestimate the need to communicate to the market properly mm-hmm. do not do not take advantage of of the you know the, the, the situation. You know, because it's all well and good having you know good team, good asset, but if you don't talk to the market, so what what were the kind of barriers that you were coming up against initially? What, you know, in terms of what did people not understand? What did you then say to them? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, when we look at these assets, uh, we internally see a lot of exploration potential, but because they came from B2 Gold, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty and, and hesitation that uh, there's probably most of it's been found, you know, is there really exploration potential? You know, these assets historically have not hit their production numbers. So what makes you guys think you can do it any better? Um, you know, type of thing. And then, and then, you know, a little bit of jurisdictional uncertainty, you know, this is Central America, Nicaragua, not known for its gold production, um, has historically had, you know, social unrest issues. So tell us a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, so there were these hurdles that we had to overcome, uh, and still are, and don't get me wrong. This is, you know, we think this is early days. We've only had the keys to the assets for six months. Right. So it's been a relatively short period of time, you know, although we ramped up through our due diligence, um, but a relatively short period of time. And we've really started to shift the narrative and and how we're looking at these assets rather than two standalone mines and mills. What we're trying to get uh, everyone to see is that is, is what we see is that amongst the landscape that is Nicaragua, we have two processing facilities. We have multiple ore sources. And we can effectively, uh, cost-effectively, efficiently feed these mills to maximize production, maximize value near term, and have a focus on production with a margin. So that's where our, our, our view is shifting. And the mastermind behind this is our chief operating officer, Darren Hall, who is at uh, Newmarket with us. He was at Newmont for over 25 years. So he rose the ranks uh, over the years at, at Newmont because he identified opportunities, whether it be for maximizing some production, maximizing and utilization of processing facilities, or, or whether it be some cost savings efforts. So he's always walked through operations and, you know, it's, it's like anybody. If they walk through an operation that's new to it, 
they'll likely pick up on a few things that they think they could do to optimize. And so it was that fresh eyes that, that, you know, that we brought to, to, Hey, there's opportunities here. We can start to see them as we're working through the process. And then it's just communicating that to the market, but then building trust, you know, it's slowly, but surely quarter over quarter, uh, drill result over drill result, building that confidence back up with us at the helm. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and that takes time, but to your point, yeah, you know, the market with the price of gold, which has been uh, positively uh, reacting to, to some of the stuff uh, in the macro landscape, um, has helped us. But at the same time, we've been executing on what we said we were going to do. Uh, and so it's and so I think that's why you've seen this quick re-rating. Um, and there's still lots of room, but quick re-rating. Uh, right. Since so many questions. So many questions. Um, first of all, i got to ask this one. So... You think the price that you paid for this 40, 40 million cash, 40 million shares, um, you feel that was a good price. There's nothing you would change. Nothing we would change. Uh, and actually, yeah. So so the total was US 100 million. Yeah. Nothing, absolutely nothing at all we would change. And actually, we think we got the timing right. And it's nice to have a win-win scenario because B2Bold has a big uh, invested stake in Caliber with their 34%. So it's, uh, yeah, no, nothing at all. Right. Okay. So, and the, and the second component of this, having helped the market understand what it is that you're trying to do, and seeing this, you know, quite reasonable, quite quick rise um, in share price up around nearly a buck um, today. Um, do you think that you've got enough here to keep people interested before they move on to the next new shiny object? So, are you going to be able to deliver this big plan of yours? Any you know, yeah, with the I mean, cash that you've got, you are generating you know free cash in in a high gold market in a bull market. It's nice, nice money to be made. But you've just been hit with COVID nineteen, like everyone else. It's going to impact the numbers somewhat. Can you keep yep. the show on the road? Yeah, that's a great question, and um, there's so many shiny objects out there. It's hard, <laughs> you know. You know what we're, what we're seeing in the marketplace, and, and clearly the large cap gold equities are really moving. Right. And then, you know, I think we'll see this transition to the mid caps and then even the junior gold producers. And we're starting to see that uh, early, early indications of that, of that happening clearly. Um, so for us, it, it, you know, it's just, it's heads down, bums up, grind away, uh, try and execute the best that we can on our plan and exceed expectations. So, um, you know, whether people deviate and pick something, something else up or another shiny object comes about, that may be the case. And, and to your point, during this temporary suspension, during this pandemic, we're actually trying to utilize the time very efficiently and effectively in the sense that, you know, uh, executing on some social programs to help uh, future production uh, and growth for the company. So, you, you know, utilizing this time with technical studies and permitting that we're doing at the operations, uh, and I think that uh, we will execute on that, you know, even though it may be a very short period of time, a temporary suspension. But from start to finish, you know, it probably takes, you know, seven to 14 days to get the operation back up and running. And the nice thing for us is that we're really in a state of readiness to get back up and going very quickly because we have all the materials we need. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm seeing people are giving you credit for that. I mean, you, you announced on the 25th of March suspension to operations sensibly, as, as one should. Um, 
we've seen a lot of companies uh, talk to us about being able to maintain business as usual and maintaining um, operational programs because of, well, how have they decided to do that? You decided to suspend and not try to kind of muddle through. Why, why was that? First and foremost, health and safety of the, the employees, the contractors, and the families, and the communities that we work in. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a very key priority and one of our highest priorities in the organization. I mean, look, we, we self-imposed our temporary suspension. It wasn't a rule. It wasn't something that came down from the government. We just said, look, with the limited testing capabilities, right, within country, with the, uh, with the limited healthcare uh, service providers and, and, and abilities in country, we need to get in front of this. We need to be proactive. We need to be preventative. Given what we're seeing around the globe, uh, you know, exponential increases in cases and deaths, we don't. We do not want to be part of that. So we, we, we in a controlled environment, were able to systematically, logically suspend operations, keep them in a state of readiness for when we do uh, see the impetus to restart. Um, but we did that, you know, as as mentioned, from a health and safety perspective. And so when we go through this, and as we analyze how we restart, uh, what we're looking at doing is, you know, potentially bringing in test kits. You know, we're working through and how do we do that? And, you know, potentially doing a drug and alcohol and a COVID test at the gate, you know, that type of uh, scenario so that we can feel comfortable, so that our communities can feel comfortable that, hey, we're safe. We know that our employees can go and, and go to work and know that, uh, you know, the company is doing everything they can to test and ensure safety of our of our people. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about the country because I, 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 like, I like that attitude. We, we're talking just this morning with another company with... Uh, assets in uh, Ecuador, doing a very large social uh, program there, um, and you know, protecting the indigenous population is obviously critical. So, you know, it's very, very important, and uh, it's the right thing to do. Um, but let's talk about Nicaragua because not many people know too much about it from this side of the pond. I think people from North America will feel comfortable with you know South America as an investment destination and mining and so forth, but. What is it like? What's the mining code like? What are your relationships like on a provincial and uh, state level? So, um, you know, Nic- Nicaragua, uh, for, for a lot of people, as you just mentioned, is, is not well known. Um, we have very good relationships. I think that, that particularly with the ministries, the ministries of labor, the ministries of mine, uh, the ministries of, of transport. And the reason we do is because most of the people, if not uh, you know, 99% of the, the employees, the workforce, the country management for B2 Gold came and, uh, and are now Caliber employees. So we, we have, for example, uh, all of the general managers stayed, all of the senior geologists stayed uh, on site. So a very, very excellent knowledge base. And I think over 97 or 98% of our workforce is, uh, is local Nicaragua. And so a, a very well-educated uh, workforce. And, um, you know, our VP country manager, for example, he went to school with the Minister of Mines. You know, so, you know, and, and he's been in the, the mining sector for 30-plus years. And so he's worked with them very regularly. They built up a level of trust. Uh, and, and him with our, you know, as our liaison to the government, it, it's been very effective. And he, you know, he has lots of regular dialogue with the minister, and uh, and you know the mining code is uh, is favorable to mining. I mean, it's it's 
know, it's, it's appropriate so that, you know, you can efficiently get operations into production, but in a safe and environmentally friendly manner. You know, so, and what they do in Nicaragua is very interesting. They allow 1% of any mineral concession for small artisanal miners to mine. And you can actually move them around with the government. You know, so for example, they're very good at finding gold. You know, we, we use them to help find more gold. It's a nice geochemical uh, tool to help us then, okay, understand, okay, what could this be, another vein structure? And then you can actually relocate these ASMs around concessions uh, and, and, and then develop uh, on, a, on a large scale commercial basis, a new deposit. And I'll give you an example. From start to finish, um, this uh, Le Mans complex that we have, there's a, there's a new high grade vein structure that is now part of our open pit complex, which is called Le Mans Central. B2 Gold rediscovered that in 2017. They did a, quite a bit of drilling in 2018. They permitted the project and it took them probably 10 to 12 months from start of EIA to completion of EIA. So that's, that's generally unheard of uh, on a global scale. That time frame from start to finish for an open pit mine. Now, granted, they already had a mill and a tailings facility on the complex, but we are doing it right now. We're actually permitting one of our projects. It's called Pavon. It's a development stage project. We've started the permitting process in Q4. We anticipate an EIA approval, an exploitation approval by Q4 of this year. Okay. So, so I mean, very favorable. Fantastic. I, that's what we're getting at because, you know, as investors like um, talking about investing into your thinking, investing into new territories, jurisdictions that are unknown to us. One has to look at the history of the country. Yes. You know, mining, I understand from my research, is a very important part of uh, income taxes and so forth yes. for uh, Nicaragua. So, and as well established um, miners there and have been for, for some time. Okay, so I just wanted to cover that off because people get a bit nervous when they're talking about things they don't know about. Um, I want to talk about the assets briefly because they have segue from what you inherited into something else. How, when did you, again, make that decision and say, well, actually, I think we've got something better than I thought we had. Mm-hmm. And we've ended up with, how do you go about targeting that? How do you go about redistributing or your, your, your spend, your drilling, uh, or indeed your thinking about how you go about monetizing it? Yeah, that's a that 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 really is the the million dollar question of how how it's hopefully a bit more than that, right? Yeah, well, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it really started back in the summer of last year, and and frankly, I don't, I you know, for our team, you know, Doug Forrester, Blaine Johnson, there was this okay, there's there's opportunity here, in the sense that there's good infrastructure, you know, Pan American highways, excellent highways. There's great power, and the country and the and the, the government have consistently invested in infrastructure. Um, so that's been that's been a, a huge benefit because that that speaks to some favorable cost to transport things around the country. And then and then uh, so it was really Darren Hall, our chief operating officer, that you know as he was doing his due diligence, you know, remembering the experiences he had over his career and. What, he, what had worked and what had not worked and some of the things he was looking at is, you know, trying to break down some barriers in the sense that you've got one mine, it's called El Lamon, one mill, which is 500,000 ton a day, up in, let's call it the northern part of the country. So a smaller mill, 
but that but that uh, uh, sort of complex has produced over three and a half million ounces of gold, and we currently have between 1.2 and 1.5 million ounces in resource there. So this is a you know you know I would say a world class low sulfidation epithermal vein district. Then you go down to the south to the La Libertad operation, which is a much larger mill. It's 2.2 million tons per annum processing capacity. And, and B2 Gold did a very good job investing in that. They built that mill, um, and so they did, did an incredible job. So what, what he kind of looked at was, okay, you've got these two processing facilities, roughly 250 to 300 kilometers between the two, but we have multiple different areas of ore sources. You know, some at Le Mans, some at Libertad, Summit Pavon. So, you know, now we've started to implement this, what we call the hub and spoke approach, you know, so multiple ore sources, a total of 2.7 million tons of installed capacity. So rather than look at them as, you know, 500,000 tons here a year and 2.2 million tons a year, we've got 2.7 of available capacity to process ores. Let's try and efficiently maximize the value in the near term. Uh, and so we know we've got a lot of resources at, at the Le Mans complex. Uh, we have no reserves at Libertad, but we've got, you know, probably somewhere around 600,000 ounces of inferred and indicated resources. So, you know, utilizing the resources that we have, but then also maximizing the processing capacities that we have, rather than sinking new capital into expanding mills. Let's look at hauling that material around the country and, and, you know, really, this started to come out in December of last year. Uh, and then and then uh, Q1, or sorry, I should say, it was it was telegraphed in, in our Q4 conference call where we said, look, we're evaluating these opportunities because they look good. You know, the cost structure is good. The infrastructure is good. Where we can haul ores 250 kilometers and process it at our Libertad mill because not only because it's got excess capacity, but because we're now implementing this new uh, uh, operating philosophy of, of multiple sources and two processing capacities. And, you know, uh, I think we demonstrated that effectively in Q1. 20% of the Libertad processing facilities metal production came from sources not on the Libertad property. So Le Mans and Pavon. So we're already starting to execute on that proof of concept. Uh, you know, we've had conversations with the Ministry of Transport, Ministry of Labor, um, and these trucks that we're hauling ore around, they, they get lost in the noise. You know, this is heavily trafficked Pan American Highway. You've got to do, obviously, your, your, your uh, public consultations with some of the tops and the tails of the communities. You know, it's that two to four kilometers off of the main highway with some of the local communities, but absolutely no issues uh, that we had in Q1. And in March, we got up to almost 400 ton a day hauling ore from Le Mans down to Libertad. So we think there's opportunity to expand on that even more. So I, I, get, the, I get the big idea. I get the philosophy. Um, and I get the logistics in terms of you know, what, what you're putting together here. So it's a nice big plan. But you've also managed to increase the grade you've managed to reduce the cost. And those can be sometimes a factor of, obviously you're putting more ore through, um, you're getting more efficient with the process. It's, it's your first full quarter. So I, I would expect you to, you know, improve things dramatically, um, you know, from there. But 
I'm I'm interested in the you know the the bigger picture with what you're trying to do with the the region as it as it were because you're Nicaraguan that's the that's where the experience is you've been there a long time you're not going to go off and do M&A in any other country at the moment you were focused on this is, is that fair to say or you're going to surprise well, us well i mean yeah i mean to be honest with you we think there's a lot of value to be unearthed here yeah. right there there is absolutely a lot of value so it's it's really heads down in execution but in time you know do we want to become a multi-jurisdictional gold producer? Um, you know, potentially, yeah. Uh, and look, we if somebody were to approach us and say six months, nine months, or a year, and say, hey, we think A plus B could equal, you know, could equal significant higher valuations, we have no social issues, right? right? We're all investors. If we do the financial engineering and say, hey, there's an opportunity here. And, and you know, one of the things that we're recognizing is that Electronic trading in the market has become huge, you know, uh, indexes, ETFs, things like this that we're not in yet. So we think that'll be another leg up for us alone in time. But uh, but size is starting to matter as the commodity price goes higher. So, you know, I think it's important for, for, for everyone in this space to not have that, you know, huge change of controls and social issues to be able to build a better product for people that want equities that are that are focused on gold. Again, you're, you're beating me to it here. This is, this, is, this is a terrible interview. You're beating me to these <laughs> questions because that's where I was getting to. Because what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing, what I'm, what I'm feeling, and obviously with the track record of the new market guys and yourself, is it feels like you want to build something big. You've got to, you've got to take care of what's in front of you. You've got yeah. to get that right. Yeah. You've just started, right? So there's got to be some right. focus. And I get that you're building cash and we'll... But the COVID, I think the market's even putting the COVID thing aside for, for yeah. now. They see what you're trying to do there. There's some scale. But it also feels to me like you're trying to do kind of like an Equinox situation where they have pieced together some very ordinary assets, but they are processing them in a highly efficient way. And I guess that's what I want to understand about your mentality of the management team is what is the end game here? What are people sure. buying into who come and talk to you for the first time, look at your projects, look at the management team, look at the assets and go, what are these guys about? And at this price, can I still make money? Yeah, I mean, a great question. Um, you know, from, from, from what we see right now in the organization, you know, as I mentioned, prior to the pandemic, we guided the market on about 140 to 150,000 ounces of consolidated production around $1,000 all-in costs. And even as we learn more about the optimization opportunities, the integration opportunities, cost-saving opportunities, we're already starting to see the opportunities, as you mentioned, higher grade. So in 2021, we're gonna see grade increasing, but actually throughput at the Libertad mill coming down. So grade increasing, throughput coming down. We think, you know, 70 to 75,000 ounces will be processed through their temporary suspension aside in 2020 but because of the grade increasing you know by 2022 we could be up to 120 130,000 ounces in our new operating philosophy alone so when you think about that and you peel that back today we're 140 to 150 on a consolidated basis by 2022 we could be 200 to 220 uh, and then you layer on all the exploration on top of that 
all of a sudden this story gets very exciting. You know, I, I'll, I'll use K92 as an example. Mm. Everyone sort of discredited that. You know, it's Papua New Guinea. We don't really know about it. But those guys have done a fantastic job of executing and finding more. You know, that if you strip everything away, that's what we do. You know, we're always depleting. You have to find more or you have to do creative financially engineered M&A to create and unlock more value. And so that's why we're doing 50,000 meters of drilling. So I think, you know, I think there's a lot of value to be unlocked here with Caliber and these, and these assets and our new approach. And to your point, you know, we're generating great cash so we can reinvest in our business and our asset base to do that, find more, you know? There you go. And, and we're already having success doing that. So th- this year, you're talking about, you were talking about spending uh, about 12 million bucks. Obviously, that will be, I guess, pushed out a little bit. Um, isn't it amazing what you can do with cash? <laughs> it, it, yeah, when you don't have to continually go back to the market uh, and sort of say, hey, we've got this target. Uh, we need to, uh, we need to uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, dilute a bit more, raise some more cash to drill this target. See, with the operations, um, we're affording ourselves the ability to be able to reinvest in the assets, uh, find more and unlock more value for our shareholders. But, you know, on that note, you know, I'll just say that, you know, during the fourth quarter of last year, one of the big unlocking values for us was there's two big ball mills at the Libertad processing facility. Darren identified, hey, you know, we could temporarily suspend or idle out one of those ball mills and still have excellent production. By doing that, We've saved ourselves approximately five hundred to five hundred fifty thousand a month, and almost by that one initiative, afforded ourselves half of our exploration spend for twenty twenty. You know, so it's all of these little pieces that are coming together to unlock much more value in the bigger picture. I think today our market capitalization is around two hundred and fifty million uh, U.S. We've got U.S. forty five forty three million in cash at the end of Q one, uh, and, and to your point, you know. Isn't it great what you can do with cash? And when you have cash and, and, you know, no significant burns and no big debt covenants like we don't have, you can really effectively utilize that. And we put that in the ground or we put that into the, uh, the multiple ore sources, wherever it may be, so that we can help unlock more value. Because at the end of the day, ourselves as management, we own a lot of this equity. We want it to succeed. We want our shareholders to succeed. I think our, we own a little over 5% of the company, all at the same prices that our shareholders do. Ryan, that's a fantastic first introduction to the company. I'm delighted to have uh, been able to talk to you. I'm excited to see what you do with this cash optionality that you have. I get the big picture. I guess it's a case of the way that you go about trying to deliver that. That's, that's what I think I could get excited about um, here. Um, so like, stay in touch, pick up the phone when there's something to say, because we'd be delighted to talk to you again. Look, Matt, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to yourself and, and, and some of your subscribers and, and followers. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, absolutely. It'll be a, a busy year in front of us. Uh, we'll have lots of news and I'll be sure to, uh, to reach out. So thank you again. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.